Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Willis. This is a progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, progressive, conservative, or otherwise, you get to hear your point of view. We are an independent media outlet that, unlike mainstream media beholden to corporations, we only owe allegiance to you. Remember, you can also send me a tweet at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is at Egberto Willis. Let us engage. It is politics done right. Welcome to Politics Done Right from the studios of KPFT 90.1 FM, Houston, your community radio station. We have a great program. We have a lot to talk about today, folks. You know, the Supreme Court uh, leak that came out has a whole lot of people concerned that Roe versus Wade is going to be overturned. We're going to talk a lot of issues on that. But there's a whole lot of other things that I think you need to stick around for. So you know what we're going to say. Let's get what? Busy right now. I cannot stress enough how important it is for those who are getting ready to get their Medicare to not take Medicare advantage. They are bombarding you with advertising. They're telling you how beautiful it is. They're telling you that you can get a lunch to come and sign the papers. They're telling you that you can get great uh gym gym gyms and you can get care for your ears your eyes your nose your smell your teeth everything they're promising the world but it's all what i called a facade it is nothing more than perfume covered doo-doo folks get the standard medicare it's going to be a bit more expensive but you will have peace of mind. You'll have your choice of doctors that you want to see. You'll have the medicines that mostly you want that is all approved. But if you go with Medicaid Advantage, Medicare Advantage, what you'll find is they determine everything for you. After all, remember, they have to pay shareholders because it's private. They have to pay executive bonuses they have to pay for all that advertising that you're seeing on tv that comes out of your care for all of the dinners and meals that they give you to entice you to sign up for medicare advantage that's your money and notice they only come at you if you are healthy and anytime you get unhealthy they will make life difficult for you and try to get you back to standard medicare but there's a caveat there if they send you back to Medicare or if you, they force you back to Medicare, you know, they, they have to do it in a certain way. But if they send you back to Medicare, you are no longer able to get the Medigap insurance to fill the gap. They're no longer this, that insurance company that sells Medigap, they no longer are forced to accept you. Or if they do accept you, they can charge whatever they want. Once you have gone from Medicare Advantage back to Medicare. So why go through that trouble? If you are healthy right now and you are in Medicare Advantage, the, the next transition period, go back to Medicare 
where you can go ahead and afford your Medigap. If you haven't yet signed up, do not be lured into the nice things they're going to give you because ultimately you're going to pay for it either with bankruptcy or your life. They don't tell you these things, but remember, Medicare Advantage is just another cost center for greedy corporations who want to make as much money as they can. And it's not, they're not making it on doing ethical things. They're using you as the raw product. They're using you to make money. And everything that they make, those are services and healthcare denied to you. Say no to Medicare Advantage. Say yes to the real Medicare. Is it going to cost you more? Yes. But is your life worth it? Yes. Has been a listener of Politics Done Right for a very long time. He's a right-wing young man, and he goes out his way to come and see quite a few of our shows, most here every day. He also... uh he talks. Uh, by, by the way, I also know Daniel personally. I always used to call him. He's a former Tea Party guy. I used to call him a friend. I like Daniel. I still like Daniel. I think Daniel is a bit confused. Now, he comes here and he attacks me every single day. He calls me a, a, a Marxist, a fascist, you name it. That's name. But do I take that personally? No. Why don't I take that personally? Because I know that the information stream that Daniel is adept to that is what it turns me and the things that progressives believe, which is to help people into caricatures. Daniel said the following. Surely some of you wonder why I torture myself by listening to this radical leftist program. At first, it was to try to understand what and why the left believed the lies. Now I know y'all are irredeemable and I listen to remind myself daily who my enemies are. It is also kind of like rubber necking a car accident. The shit show that is this leftist ideology is a kind of like that. Okay. I always ask my detractors to do something for me. And that is, please tell me something that I have said that is wrong. Something that I've said that is a lie or something that I've said that does not make the lives of people better. I can guarantee you absolutely all the policies that I believe in is to move the middle class forward. I can guarantee you that all the negative implications I've spoken about where capitalism is concerned, where shareholders are concerned, where the way our system creates antiseptic slaves is concerned. I can justify all of that with numbers, with data, immediately, all of the times. And in fact, history has proven it right. The fact that our economic system moves people's wealth to the top is reflected in absolutely every number by every conservative or liberal economist. So again, I've always asked, please tell me something that I have said that was incorrect. And if you prove to me that something I've said is incorrect or not mathematically sound, I will be the first to apologize, correct, and not only that, 
give you kudos for finding or, or, or for doing that. The problem is those on the right attack and attack and attack and never have an answer. As an example, I came out today and I said the biggest innovation in this country occurred under the government's tutelage. Going to the moon in less than 10 years. We could never have gotten a private sector to do that. And if you look at the math, you can understand why. The government has unlimited resources and the government also does not have to make sure that pieces of those resources is migrated or migrated to a select few called the investor class or the shareholders, or they don't have to give these gigantous bonuses to individuals. So therefore, all that cost goes right back into development. And the other thing is that engineers don't need capital. They don't, they don't use capitalist my, uh, mentality to innovate. We have a system that can legally pick your pocket. The, the oil industry is taking oil that was put there by the supreme being into the ground that never belonged to them. They mine it, take it out, and take the profits from it and give you little return on the country's resources. I mean, what I'm saying is not radical. What's radical is the pilfer of the private sector, the corporations. That is what's radical. To take your intellect, to take your smart, to take your work, to take your worth. That is what's radical. Senator Elizabeth Warren, she is mad. And you know, she came out swinging today. There is a congressional district in Texas that's in the runoff state right now. Jessica Cisneros is the progressive, uh, the progressive challenger. And Henry Cuellar, who is known here in Texas as that person who almost seems like a Republican. He doesn't even support the women's right to choose. He, uh, if you take a look at the things that he stands for, you have to wonder... What is he doing in the party? Well, he has a challenger. And you know what happened today? After the decision came out with the Supreme Court, Elizabeth Warren is mad. She realized something has to be done. And she said, with no uncertain, in no uncertain terms, who she is supporting in this congressional district, she is going for the progressive. Check this out. I look at it this way. If we don't have enough Democrats to get that job done right now, then give us some more Democrats. And I actually want to put it a pitch right now for something everybody who's watching this can do today, not just, you know, on down the line. But right now, today, there's about to be a primary down in Texas for a congressional yep. seat. Henry Cuellar sits in that seat. He is someone who has supported the Texas abortion ban. He's someone who has voted against federal efforts to try to over uh, to protect Roe versus Wade at the federal level. And he's running against a young woman, Jessica Cisneros, uh, who's terrific and who has a real chance to beat him and who will fight for a woman's right to make her own decisions about her life. So if you're mad when you listen to this, send Jessica Cisneros 10 bucks. If you can afford it, send her 25 bucks. If you can afford more, send more.
But don't talk to me about how frustrated you are because you don't like our particular constellation of Democrats. Help us get some Democrats elected who will actually make a difference. I'm mad. I'm ready to take action, but we need this entire nation to speak out. If the vast majority of people in this country want to see Roe versus Wade protected, then it's going to take all of us working on this. And yeah, it may take a little patience. It may take some frustration, but that's how we get there. And believe me, this is a fight worth having. Well, 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 could she be any clearer than that? I don't think so. But you know what? It is great to see progressives starting to come out and say, you know what? We are forget about uh, Henry Coyard being the incumbent. We don't care about that. We only care about electing progressives who are going to come on and do things for the American people, not for the corporations as Coyard is that it is constantly doing. Finally, somebody supporting us all. Great job, Elizabeth Warren. What Rachel Maddow and uh, Rachel Maddow and Lawrence O'Donnell in this little conversation at your switch over, what they had to say was one of the most substantive things in probably two minutes or so that was said about the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade. Yeah, everybody's going crazy, but I want you guys to listen to uh, Rachel Maddow and and uh, right here because what they're saying here is prescient, very important. Check this out. We'll take it on the other side. We'll just say in terms of the real world impact on women's lives, Congressman Jamie Raskin raised a really good point about the reasoning in this opinion, which again is a draft opinion. But the way that this is written, it undoes a woman's right to decide whether or not she's going to carry a pregnancy to term. But this also absolutely creates the circumstance in which it is possible for them to undermine, to overturn a, a, a related ruling called Griswold, uh, which is about the right of people to have access to contraception, even if certain state legislatures decide that contraception is evil or that we want to call contraception abortion or we want to otherwise make it unavailable to people. It's a straight line from this ruling, not only to banning abortion instantly and potentially nationally, but to also um, preventing Americans from accessing um, birth control uh, in a ruling that is argued along the same lines as the um, the established precedents that are that are struck down in this opinion. And, it's and, just a it's a fundamentally different world if those if this happens. And included in this fundamentally different world is what the other part of what we're experiencing tonight is minority government, minority ruled government. And the Supreme Court is the in, most incredible exemplar of that. You have these uh judges appointed to the Supreme Court by two presidents who did not win the most votes in their presidential election. George W. Bush appointed the justice who wrote this opinion. He did not win the most votes in his presidential election, but he won the Electoral College. And then you have Donald Trump appointing three of these deciding justices. He did not come close to winning the most votes, but he got the presidency in this country because because of this capacity for minority rule in our government, which is what the United States Senate is about every day of every year. Uh, more people vote for Democrats for the United States Senate, uh, but Republicans end up either in control of it with fewer people voting for them for those seats, uh, or as we see now in a 50-50 position, this is a minority controlled government. This is the product of that. 
You know what, man? Good minds think alike. It's funny because I started writing an article at Medium that talked about the, the justices that spoke about minority rule. In fact, several years ago, I wrote about uh, during the Trump administration, I wrote about how uh, the, the Republicans are going to have to use the judiciary to control us because they just don't have the numbers anymore. And it's coming to pass. And then when I heard when I started writing that and I heard that on Lawrence and Donald, I'm like, Lawrence, I think you're spying on me, brother. But no, I'm kidding. But anyhow, it's it, it is interesting. That is some of the most important pieces that we need to get out of uh, Roe versus Wade being overturned. It's not just about abortions. It's about it, it's about minority rule. It's about the, uh, the, the Supreme Court doing what they please, irrespective of what most American people want, irrespective of what the Constitution demands. It's about also making sure that they remain in power. I'm going to play my other video. The one that I wanted to play is the one on student loans from Joy and Reed because it's quite funny the way she addressed some folks on the right that had a few things to say. Check this out, and then we'll take it on the other side. It's asinine. I want to pay off student debt is an insult to the senior citizens, to the people who pay taxes, to people who decide, you know, do I want to buy meat this week or pay for my medicine? That's hogwash. You got so many jobs. You got a great economy. Let them work and pay off their bills just the way all of us do. Well, that's certainly rich. Coming from someone whose judicial campaign owed six hundred thousand dollars in unpaid bills for more than a decade. But OK, Janine Pirro is unfortunately not the only person on the right with a bad take on student loans, as President Biden considers forgiving some student debt. Laura Ingraham tweeted, my mom worked as a waitress until she was 73 to help pay for our college, even help with loan repayment, loan forgiveness, just another insult to those who play by the rules. Now, I will note that back in the 80s, before she became a Fox News star, Laura, who graduated from the Ivy League Dartmouth College in 1985, then University of Virginia Law School in 1991, worked for a top New York law firm as a speechwriter in the Reagan administration and as a clerk for Justice Clarence Thomas. Way to look out for your mom while uh, still letting her, by still letting her pay off your student loans uh, by slinging hash as a waitress into her 70s instead of just picking up the tab for her, Laura. But you know what? I feel like Laura actually did us a huge favor by explaining modern conservatism in a nutshell perfectly. Just put the working class on the wheel, even if they're family, while the affluent and the rich eat. And while they may be cruel, Republicans aren't dumb. They know that if President Biden and Democrats actually do something about student debt, it could activate young and progressive voters who overwhelmingly prefer Democrats when they vote. And so they have introduced a bill to try to block Biden from doing just that. But what about voters in the middle who say, hey, I paid off my loan, so other people should be able to do it as well? Well, see, that argument is usually presented without a lot of context. Take this report from Georgetown, which points out that today, two out of three jobs require an education beyond a high school diploma. While in the 1970s, three out of four jobs required a high school diploma or less. So a college degree is not a luxury. It's a necessity for most people who want to earn decent wages. It is a literal ladder into the middle class. But the price of college has skyrocketed. From 1980 to 2019, the cost increased by 169%. That is not a typo. While worker pay for those aged 22 to 27 years of age has increased by just 19%. That is the mismatch, y'all. 
You need the degree, but the degree puts you into so much debt, you still can't get ahead. And that means that your contributions to the economy are also limited. That is how we've gotten to a world where 43 million Americans collectively owe $1.7 trillion in student debt. That is a number that is only going to keep rising. We spend a Now, one of the reasons why I strongly believe that we should pay off You know, I don't mind paying off everybody's student debt, even those who would kind of get away with murder, right? The rich folks who took it out and put it, because it's too complicated to try to means test people and all that kind of stuff. But the vast majority of people who have student loans, you know, they need the support. But, you know, the wedge issue people would allow all those poor people who, you know, who need the student loans paid off or who would otherwise go to college. They need to create some sort of a friction between the haves, the, the support, the haves and the haves, or rather, the have-nots and the have-sums, right? That's what they want to do. And that's why you'd see some people say, well, look, I paid off my student loan. Why don't you pay yours off? Let me give an example. I came here to the States, and in my last, I think my last year and a half, two years, I was able to get student loans because by then I'd become a resident. And I paid off my entire student loan, right? And... Do I feel, do I feel because I paid off my student loan that something is wrong with those who have a whole bunch of debt not to have had theirs paid off? No. And I, I don't, first of all, it doesn't bother me, but here's what, what's the kicker. I wish the same people who really were concerned about paying off other people's student debt would realize what that really is. And I want to enumerate it quite simply. When I went to school, and I paid for, for a foreign student at the time, I paid $40 an hour. And when I got in resident, I paid $4 an hour. All right. I took out a student loan at that point in time to help pay that, pay, pay that, 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 um, that college. The kicker is the kids today, the corporations pay so much less in taxes that the amount of money that they're going to have to contribute towards their own education it's humongous. And to the Ayn Randian Republican personnel say, well, that's their education. They should pay for it. It's for them. And that's where they that's where our capitalist structure has really screwed up their thinking. Because if you went to get an education so that you could establish your own company, I would understand that, right? Think about it. If I got an education in college and just formed my company and worked solely for my company, that would be fine. But as, a, as, an Ameri- or as most Americans should know, we get an education. And Mr. Eric Hayes, you may want to listen to this. Stop writing. Listen and try to absorb and analyze, please, and then come back with a response. One of the reasons that we have a problem communicating many times is as one is speaking, the other one is trying to come back with an answer without absorbing and analyzing what that person is saying. So let's continue. When you go and go to work, or rather go and get a college education and you pay your education in full, or you have to take out loans, you are subsidizing companies I want to show you how capitalism abstract things and make you think not wisely. Eric just says, Egberto, most companies subsidize your education. 
That's false. That is provably false. And it also shows a level of elitism, right? If you work for a company like, let's say, Microsoft or all of these, you can actually have the company send you to school. But you are some factory worker or some, you don't get those opportunities, right? But let's forget about that for now. Let's just talk about in general. Corporations need a steady flow of educated people to do the work. When you go out there and pay for your education yourself, you are coming to that corporation basically with the skills necessary to learn to do that particular job. If you hadn't, that corporation would have had to invest in you to give you the skills to bring you up to speed to be able to do the work at that corporation. But we, yourself, by paying for it and the state, subsidized that corporation by getting you educated. There was a time there was a balance. There was a time that corporations paid enough taxes that I could, or the person in the 1970s, 1980s, could pay $4 an hour for education. Check out what an education in a public university costs you now. In, the, in UCLA, UCLA, UC system, used to be free for California residents. Look at what they have to pay now. Look at what they have to pay now. So we are subsidizing corporations. But for those people who take out loans, it's even deeper. Before Obamacare, before they took the public fund the, the public funding by banks of student loans away from the thieves, meaning the banks, this is what used to happen. The bank would loan you money that was that they charged you interest for that was guaranteed by the government. So here we had banks charging you interest for a student loan that you paid back to the bank. Corporations, again, were making money on both ends. They make money because you had to borrow to go to school and then pay them interest. And they made money from not having to educate you to do the job. Corporations are the biggest welfare recipients in America. But it is done in such a manner that they make you feel like they're doing you a favor so that somebody like Eric Hayes can come and say, corporations subsidize you. No, we are subsidizing corporations with our education. We subsidize corporations in so many different ways. It's just framed in such a manner that they make you believe like you owe them something when it's the complete other way around. Today, we are honored to have Merlin M. Singleton. She's a board-certified anesthesiologist. She is past president of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. She graduated from Stanford and earned her MD at UCSF Medical School. Dr. Singleton completed two years of surgery residency at UCSF, then her anesthesia residency at Harvard's Beth Israel Hospital. She is she interned at the National Health Law Project and practiced insurance and health 
Law. She is the author of a recent article that got my attention titled The Fox Garden, the Herpetarium. Hi, <laughs> Marilyn Singleton, MD, JD. Why the JD? But anyhow, welcome to Politics and Right, Marilyn. How are you doing today? I'm just fine. And you? I am doing just fine. First of all, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, just just a native Californian who uh, had parents that always wanted me to strive for the best. And that's what I tried to do. And uh, I've been interested in healthcare since I was in high school and uh, couldn't decide whether to do it in law or medicine. So I ultimately did both. Well, that that's good. That's good. Anyhow, um, you wrote the letter. The, 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 I should say an op-ed, uh, Fox Garden, the Herpetarium. Explain. Well, it, it just struck me after that poor congressman was bitten by a rabid fox, but it got me just thinking about uh, the fox guarding the hen house, but our legislators somehow just seem to be more reptilian than cute little hens I looking know. out for us. For several different reasons, I, I must agree with you on that fact, because I, I don't I don't know how many of them are really out there for us and not for themselves or their benefactors. I have no idea. But I want to see where there's some symbiosis here. First of all, tell me again, you wrote that article and, you know, I, I love the title. You know, I was like, wow. And then I love the way you brought it in. Hey, the guy got hit by the fox here in the middle of Washington, D.C. and the mall. Wow. <laughs> and then you started to make a detour. Tell me a little bit about what your article said. Well, what I was talking about is, uh, you know, being a native Californian, I was sort of stunned at the number of bills that came out of the California legislature that just seemed too far over the edge. And whether you're right or left, there were human beings and some of these laws just didn't seem to um, hit on our humanity, but rather seemed to hit, I don't know, for the lowest common denominator. And, and I just don't think that's who we are. And I kind of started off with um, some of the laws regarding abortion and the idea that you would make our state a place where you would encourage people and have have commissions. How can we get more abortions? And and I thought, I mean, even Hillary Clinton said they were supposed to be safe and rare. And so then you have people saying, come on down, like it's a game show. And it, and it just seemed wrong. OK, let me, uh, and that's what I, you know, um, you're, given that you're an MD and you're from California and you are also into law. What struck me, I, I, and I, I just want to get a perspective here. Where do you stand on women's reproductive rights in general? Well, in general, I have to say, personally, I am pro-life. Um, I've seen a whole spectrum of women who are in very difficult situations. And so I, I just I don't take the issue lightly. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what was so bothersome, that the seriousness of the issue of 
what to do with the pregnancy under an array of circumstances, whether you be a teenager, um, you know, raped, incest, health problems, certainly for health problems, the mother's life tends to be saved, even though in the Catholic Church, they say the baby's life should be saved. So that's, you know, a whole nother position. Mm -hmm. But um, so it can be a complex issue. And I guess that is what strikes me. The issue doesn't seem to be taken with the seriousness that it is that you're encouraging people almost to not think about it. If you say we're going to make a law that gives free rides, free abortions, free everything, and it doesn't seem to include any other kind of counseling. Did you get counseling regarding um, adoption? Did you get counseling regarding some of the psychological issues that might arise from a hasty abortion? You know, so it, it just seemed to be a bit cavalier to me. Uh, do you think that you, it may seem cavalier maybe because you are, in fact, pro-life or do you think it was written in a cavalier fashion? Because I have a follow up to that, but I, I'd like that answer first. Um, well, <sighs> I have to say, I was trying to look at it from a lens of just why would a state do this and then say, well, because some other states may outlaw abortion, so people would need a place to come. But I was looking at it. People will find out you don't have to make such a, it was almost a celebration. And I think that's that. That was what stuck with me. So honestly, I think it's difficult to separate personal feelings a lot of times. But I did try. I did try. No, no, let me, I, you know, and you know, looking at it as not just your basic law, but it, it just appeared more of a celebration mm -hmm. of abortion. You know, normally I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't even have entertained bringing somebody that I considered uh, to the right if I didn't think it was a rational thinking person that was going from, from, from a position of not just a flamethrower, but somebody who genuinely have an interest. And I think that's the kind of conversations we're supposed to have mm -hmm. in this country. And I think it's what would make things better. I want to postulate something with you based on those laws that you just told me. Um, you said while we were speaking that as you saw the law written, you didn't see any advice on possibly a, a, a adoptions. You didn't see any advice about all these other issues. And you also said that to you, what you saw within the law was, well, free everything. Come on in, come on out, etc. Uh, would you look on the other side and say uh, the law was written as wide as possible, leaving it up to the individual's uh, religion, family ties, medical advice on their own. In other words, the state just making uh, the option available to absolutely everyone, but not, not telling everyone what they had to do, must do, should do. And isn't that really the way laws are supposed to be written? Not well, I wouldn't say necessarily that's the way laws are supposed to be written. Um, I, I just didn't see the necessity for the law at all. 
if people want to go to a state that has absolutely no abortion restrictions, they can certainly find that out. All they have to do is go to Planned Parenthood's website. I just don't think a state needs to make it the law that we will pay for people to come from the outside. And I look at that from two angles. It's like when people would come to California to get higher uh, Medicaid benefits Mm -hmm. because people were doing that. And it even was a Supreme Court case. Can you cross state lines and go to another state? Should there be a residency requirement? So a lot of it, too, I'm looking at as state resources. Now you might say, oh, it's probably only a handful of people. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many people it would be. And, you know, obviously it's not going to be millions, but our resources should be spent on Californians, not people who come in from other states. You know, that that's actually, you know, I, I, I can see that being, I can see that being uh, a, a, the part of the bill that that everyone could object to not whether you're pro-life, pro or pro-life, pro-whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could see an objection there, right? Because you could say uh, California taxpayers' resources should be used for Californians. Now, a lot of states, including Texas, for ideological reasons, they would have their states support others in other states to make a point. And I think, you know, I think you are actually right about that with regards to um, California making the laws in that sort that says, hey, over here, while Texas is doing all those draconian things in Texas, know that there's a California that is there to support you. And who knows, maybe you'll come and become a Californian and become a productive Californian citizen, California citizen. So, I mean, there are different ways of looking at that as being and bringing other people into California, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I, I don't see, I, I don't see that, the law is a law that's encouraging a free for all. Um, I, I know that maybe that's how you see it, but I don't know that I necessarily see it that way. Um, what would you want to be done about that? What What do you mean? Well, I mean, um, you wrote an art. You wrote a strong article uh, that pretty much went completely against what they're doing in California. And I and like I said, I can see that it was written from a position from from your position, but I can also see it from a position that says we want to be we want to make sure that we are open to all and not only to all but for those people where the states they believe the states doing a wrong too I'm, i have a follow-up on that well i i would just say you don't really need a law and what i would say is tell the legislators to vote it down What we do have, and we have a governor, we have a very verbal governor, if he wants to make a policy statement about how he feels about his state and then his state is welcoming, you know, whatever kind of statement he wants to make, make the statement, send it out there, let people know, hey, everyone is welcome in California, you know, however he wants to put this. And uh, say what his beliefs are and what he thinks the majority of Californians feel, something of that nature. But I don't think it needs to be a law. 
All right, let's 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 go now into the mechanics of um, let's say abortion. I don't talk this a whole lot because first of all, I'm a man, and secondly, you know, and secondly, because um, you know, rarely do you get somebody that is willing to have an intellectually based conversation on the issue. And reading your article led me to believe that you were. Um, right now, uh, you you are a pro-lifer, and uh, I like to say pro-no-choicer, but it's okay. Uh, but uh, you're you're pro-lifer. I, I I am a pro-lifer myself, right? I believe in giving people good health care. I pre- believe in giving people uh, food when they need it. I believe in all these particular issues, right? So I think I'm pro-life, but I'm also cognizant that in America. Women many times have been relegated to second-class citizenship, and that motherhood is actually, as well, something that has held back women a lot of times, and that mistakes can be made. And I don't know how, and you can help me here, I don't know how many people who consider themselves to be pro-life when it comes to a fetus, a blastoma, or whatever— uh, when it comes to the type of support that is necessary for the born, it's not necessarily there. I'm not speaking about you specifically. I'm talking to you as being a pro-lifer. Well, you know, it's interesting you put it that way. And as far as life and, you know, we could get into the deep science of when life really begins. And Which I don't know. More yeah. important, you know, and, and all this, I, you know, very, very deep subject. Some places are very good mm-hmm. about adoption services, um, giving financial help to people who need it and other places aren't. And I grant you that. And it's something I've always said that if you don't have a full range of choices when you use that word and have some sort of support for people who find themselves in a position that no one wants to be in, they've got to have that full range. And that's not necessarily offered. Uh, There's got to be make you have to make sure that if a person does go through and have the baby, that that OB care will be paid for, you know, and just like you're going to say, I'll pay for the abortion, say, I'll pay for the obstetrical care, whether the person, they may be on Medicaid, California Medi-Cal, um, or some other program, uh, we don't know their family situation, so you have to make sure there's family support. There might be issues with an abusive husband. You know, it's it's such a huge uh, issue, and I think people don't want to address the edges, and that's part of the problem. That's why I'm so glad to talk to you because you know you see it, it's it's a bigger problem than just yes no you know, going to have this baby, I'm not going to have this baby, that it's a huge undertaking to have a child. There are people who want children. There's people who even take disabled children, which God bless them. Um, So I think that's where all sides are lacking, is giving the proper support to women who find themselves in this position. 
Ironically, uh, doctor, what you find is the states that are so much more restrictive on a woman's rights to whatever she wants to do with her body are the states that are deficient in exactly what you've just mentioned. You know, well, I, I don't I, know if that's 100 percent true. Because... No, no, it's, it's not 100 percent true at all. It's not. But what, I, what I'm saying is if we talk about Mississippi, Arkansas, Kentucky, all these particular states, Texas is a bit better because Texas is a very big state and has a lot of independent people, a lot of independent organizations that are there to pretty much make a point. Right. But uh, I, I think I think you can you, you can infer based on the medical care. I mean, California has great medical care. Texas has lousy medical care and Mississippi has worse. Uh, so, I mean, uh, you're, you're, a lot of your intuition from a very good state, from a state where people get, get their, most of their needs met, it's not the same as, let's say, from Kentucky, Arkansas, Mississippi, Louisiana, and these other places. So, I mean, I, I hear you, right? And I think you, you make some valid points and you have a right to the belief of, you know, you know when life begins and what you want. And I guess I need to ask one question, doctor. You don't, you don't support getting rid of a woman's right to choose abortion, right? Um, when you put it that way, on a federal level, I honestly do believe that as a legal basis, Roe versus Wade was wrongly decided. The mm-hmm. legal basis for it was somewhat bizarre. But um, let's, and, let's forget. I mean, I know you're a lawyer now as well, but let's forget about legalities. But, let's talk about humanity. Do you believe that uh, that a woman in California should have other rights than a woman in Texas? <laughs> Well, I well, you, it's hard not to bring the law in when you put it that way, because we are a republic of multiple states. And which I think that was one of the reasons for each state being which able I to have the laws that they want. It's funny because in 2020, I mean, 2022, it is rather silly, right? Especially with the mobility that we have today. Well, I, I, but I it's all, law- but it makes it all the better because you, we, because we do have mobility that if you want to go to another state, I, I remember the day and believe me, I've been around a long time. Well, you don't look there that way. <laughs> <laughs> a long time before Roe versus Wade. Uh-huh. Um when I was in medicine and people would go to Mexico, rich people would go to Japan, you know, people would travel places to get an abortion. And, and as, you just I'm sorry to interrupt because I, uh, I want you to I want you to segue on that exact notion. You just said those people who could afford it, which mean we relegated the poor and the generically poor into whatever their states desires, right? Well, I'm not denying that, that there's some level where Mm -hmm. if you can afford it, like with so many other things, then yes, you can get whatever you want. And henceforth, Alice's restaurant, you can get whatever you want. And henceforth, the benevolence of California, right? Well, but that's not California's job. And I think and and certainly this is something that organizations like Planned Parenthood and various other 
organizations if they want these folks to go ahead and get an abortion then they can help pay for it. I don't think it's California's duty okay. to pay for abortions from across the country. Granted, now the, I agree. I agree that you have the the right to have that feeling. There's a lot of things that other states do as well that it's not for the benefit of those states only. But you know, I I could imagine if I were a lawyer in California, I could say, well, this is a marketing campaign to say this is the reason why you want to be in California and not Texas. Right. So, I mean, there are a lot of things that that could be used for or defined as. I mean, you could say it's not California's duty for something. And California could come back and say, well, what we're trying to do is let everybody around the country know that California is a hospitable state and we want people to come. And that's one of the ways. Well, it has nice beaches, so it can be (laughs) hospitable for that. Actually, I think California is beautiful. I like Texas. I'm here in Texas and I love my my Texas. I don't live within its restrictions, but but here's it. First of all, I want to thank you for coming on. I have a couple more questions, but I I want to clarify one thing. I am listening to you. um, doctor. And you are not as harsh on abortion. I think, um, however, I see that you would love to see Roe versus Wade go. Okay. And for me, it doesn't, it does not compute with your own morality. I am listening to you. Okay. And that you want, that you are okay with Roe versus Wade going away. And after listening to all the pros and cons that you've given to me, tells me you're a moral person. But at the same time, you are allowing ideology to have you say you are willing to have women in different states. And I I think we've come back and said, hey, but a woman in Mississippi who is poor, she has no mobility and uh, to, 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 to do what's right for her own personal economy. So I, I think if I understand you correctly, you, you're of two minds, an ideologically, an ideology fighting a morality. Well, I suppose you can look at it. I mean, when you bring in the money issue into the whole thing, sadly, money talks for a lot of things. Thank you. And, you know, we already know that. And, uh, we can go all the way back to uh, forced sterilizations and Mississippi appendectomy. Remember that, yeah. All these things that were done on poor people. So there's no question that if you don't have money, that you don't have the same options as right. someone who does. So, you know, we can take that all the way back and get more to the core. What do we do in general? to, uh, you know, how they say level the playing field for people for things that one could consider essential to their health, whether it's mental or physical or whatever. And you gave the answer in your paper. Believe it or not, uh you gave the answer in your paper. There's a sentence in your paper which said, California, where California goes, everyone goes. And in that statement, you've also added, you've also gave the answer to the statement you've just made. One of the reasons maybe why California decided we want to make it hospitable for the others around the country as well is because since wherever we go, the rest of the world go, we'll, for those people who would get left behind for now, we'll do the humane thing and take care of them. And then the, the country will catch up. Don't you think that? Well, 
if you, you you left off the second half, I hope everybody didn't go where California goes. I was and I still I still stick to it. It's not California's hoping, duty I, to right. take to take care of the rest of the country. But you know what? But, you know, you know what I see, doctor? I see that if you had to be helpful to somebody to get it done, you would. And unfortunately, well, I, oh, sorry. And unfortunately, we don't have enough people who are willing to mitigate the problems within our laws. I well, think you and, would. And I think private entities and and back in the day, private entities really stepped up to the plate and there was a time when they had a lot of homes for unwed mothers and and this type thing. And somehow we've lost that. And I think we need to get back to that. We need to get back to looking at patients as individuals and, you know, not pawns of the state and the government, but, um, you know. That's an ideological position. My ideological position is I don't want to depend on private entities. I don't trust private entities. Oh. Have private entities. Well, see, there we up. are. Right. To, I know, you know. I know. I know. And that's what I'm saying. It's ideological. And, and, and But that's good. We have a good, fruitful discussion. I think private entities sometimes come with an attachment while we the people come with we the people. But Well, if in fact we were we the people, and that goes back to the herpetarium because uh, the government has lost its goal of being for the and I, people and in I many bet, cases. And I bet you and I, all of us, both on the left and the right, could come together and really make sure that it is we the people so that it's really we the people getting the people's will and not the corporations and et cetera that actually or continue to well, run things. Which like you're right. And unfortunately, I suppose we in this conversation with Neither can be trusted. <laughs> you know, you know what is interesting. Uh, uh, it's a, when I say the private sector. When the private sector controls government, that's corporations controlling government. That is the private sector again. That's the ultimate guilty entity. Because when we the people can control the politicians, we the people, it becomes we the people. Right. So even Sadly, when we, we have a anymore. bad right, when we have bad government, it is the by the purview of the corporations and et cetera, that does it. But I tell you what, oh, go, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it's just, it's sad, sad, but true. All these right. folks are bought well, look off. At that. And it, I wrote an article a few years back called Sold to the Highest Bidder. Well, so you can guess well, what that my, was my, about. My, my dear conservative friend, you can, <laughs> you can get your articles at me anytime. I think you're a good person. And I think there is more that we would agree with, absent certain types of ideological stills that we could get by. Thank you so kindly, you. Dr. Uh, Merlin M. Singleton, uh, for having a very good discussion on the subject. Please keep doing what you do. Thank you so much. Okay. You can listen and or watch Politics Done Right Mondays through Fridays on Facebook Live at facebook.com slash politicsdoneright or on YouTube Live at politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube. Please do not forget to follow me on Twitter for updates. My Twitter handle is at Egberto Willis, at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L. 
I-E-S. But don't you forget, listen to us live on air at KPFT 90.1 FM on Thursdays at noon and at Fridays at 11 a.m. all Central Time. Please get one of my several books out there. As I see it, Class Warfare, the only resort to right-wing doom for a contribution of $120. It's worth it. How to talk to your right-wing relatives, friends, and neighbors for a contribution of $120. How to make America utopia, take away the economy from those who rigged it for a pledge of $120. Get any two of those books for $200, any three of those books for $250. The Contributions for my books go directly to support our station, KPFT 90.1 FM. Alternatively, folks, please get your basic KPFT-only membership for $40, a Pacifica-only membership for $25, or choose from one of our many other gifts for your contribution. Just go to kpft.org, choose Politics Done Right for the program, and select an option either for our books or something else to support the station. It is definitely worth it. Please remember to keep your community radio station in your minds. Keep KPFT on your mind. Talk about it. Tell your friends about it. Tell them you know about this station in town, 90.1 FM Houston, that needs your support. That is there to provide that nourishment that we need. KPFT 90.1 FM Houston. Well, folks, that's it for today. You know how I'm going to end this baby. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you know how I end this baby. I am what? Out! Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Willis. This is a progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, progressive, conservative, or otherwise, you get to hear your point of view. We are an independent media outlet that, unlike mainstream media beholden to corporations, we only owe allegiance to you. Remember, you can also send me a tweet at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is at Egberto Willis. Let us engage. 